I don't know about you guys, but I never not wanted to work. Is that correct English? I don't know. Okay. Well, the idea, <laughs> the idea of a job was so glamorous to me. At age 12, I begged my mom to drive me into downtown Beverly Hills, my hometown, where I could apply as a stock girl at Fiorucci. <laughs> I know. My mom indulged me. I, I just wanted this so badly. She idled in the car outside this uber-cool Italian clothing store as I bravely walked in and asked for an application. You know, they had this expression on their face that was very sympathetic. They handed me the sheet with this look on their face that said, poor thing. She doesn't know we don't hire child labor. That was my big attempt, which failed spectacularly. I eventually worked in a one-hour Photoshop, developing film. I worked at Camp Beverly Hills, which is not a camp clothing store. Oh, yeah. And you you might not know this. I babysat Tori Spelling. But as for an actual career, <laughs> it's always been journalist, anchor, reporter. The same cannot be said of one of my dearest friends in the television news business. You've heard her giggling right now. At the age of eight, she was already a star in one of the most popular TV shows of the 70s, Little House on the Prairie, which harkened back to a very simple, sweeter time in the 1800s Midwest. But there was very little simple or sweet about her real life away from the TV lights. In fact, some of it was so painful that I look at her today and see her as a living miracle. Author of Diary of a Stage Mother's Daughter and Fox Business anchor Melissa Francis, also known as my TV wife. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. I didn't know that you tried to go and work in the stock room. Yeah. See, you always loved clothing. It makes perfect sense to me. Well, I just thought it was so glamorous to be in the back room of a clothing store folding shirts. Yeah. There yeah, you go. Why not? You just got off the set yep. um, of your Fox Business show, After the Bell. You also are running around doing Outnumbered on Fox News. Crazy times, right? Crazy. Crazy. You know, we all say, in my previous life, but you actually had a previous life uh, as a wildly successful child actress. How did that all begin, Melissa? Well, I'm told I was six months old and I did a Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo commercial. And it was sort of off to the races from there. I did more than 100 commercials, lots of TV shows, movies, all kinds of things. But you said at the very beginning that you always liked to work. And I think one thing about that is there is a feeling of power when somebody outside the family gives you money for a job well done. You know, it's not... It's not a loan. It's not because they have to. It's not because they feel sorry for you. You've done something of value and you've been paid for that. And I hope that we don't rob our kids of that these days because it really feels good. And even if you are blessed enough to be a stay-at-home mom, to know that you can go back out and do it again is so empowering because you don't get stuck in a situation where you don't want to stay or where you, and you have to know part of being a mom is knowing that God forbid, even if you have a wonderful partner, if something happened to them tomorrow, you know exactly how you would go out and support your kids and, you know, feed them, clothe them, educate them. So it's, it's empowerment to work. Oh, absolutely. That's why I never understand people who say that the decline of the American family is because moms aren't home. If you want to work or you have to work, yeah. because in this day and age, a huge number of us do, one boat, one or the other or both, why would anybody look down on that? And, and besides, it's great. You know, kids see you out there contributing. It's I never understood that argument, but you as a child actress, 
You you talked about Johnson and Johnson. What other commercials did you do? Oh goodness gracious! Okay, so let's see. So I have a real prejudice against Barbie because I probably did ten Barbie commercials. I would say at least <laughs> and, and print shots and stuff. But they always had so. This will be a shock to your audience. My hair is not actually blonde. Well, I guess if you watch Little House on the Prairie, you know that I'm a brunette. So as a brunette, I could never be the kid in front in the Barbie commercial. You were always the friend that was playing with the brunette doll. So I had like, this, I would do that. I was like the supporting cast permanently well, try in being, the Barbie commercial. Try being the redhead. Yes. You don't even get cast. That's right. Yeah, I guess that's Devil true. children. Yes, right. All of us. I love it. I love it. But it just makes us stronger. Uh, I did a zillion McDonald's commercials. I did a Frosted Flakes commercial. So I ran track in high school. And so I did a Frosted Flakes commercial where it was show them your attack. And I was so I was doing the hurdles. Um, but I love Frosted Flakes so much that so you do the takes and they're like, OK, you can spit it out. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I eat basically <laughs> the whole box. <laughs> As a child actress, I'm showing my age here. But did you know the famed child actor Rodney Allen Rippey? No. So, okay. I am actually younger than him. Thank goodness. But that's actually how I found my first agent. My stage mother said, um, you know, who's the most famous child actor at the time when my sister was getting into the business, she was older and it was Rodney Allen Rippey. So she was like, who represents that? This is how the story has told me who, what agent represents that child. That's who I want to go meet. And so we started, I think it was Dorothy Deotis was the agency. And so that was my agent, but I was a little after the Rodney Alley, Alan Rippey Right, time. and he did what? Um, Jack like in the Box. Something. And, yeah, yeah. yeah All, but he, but th- this was Jack a kid who got out there on television and said, I'm Rodney Allen Rippey, and everybody yeah. knew who Rod- <laughs> Rodney Allen Rippey was. Um, so you just referenced your mom. Yeah. You called her the stage mother. Yes. She drove much of this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, she was... Um, you know, nobody, no, obviously no kid could do it without an incredibly involved parent. And sometimes when people ask me would I put my kid in show business, I'm like, well, no, for two reasons. Number one, they're not cooperative enough because that's so much of what it's about as a kid is that when you think about it, like what child would sit there, memorize all these lines, hit all their marks, smile at the right time. I mean, I can't even get my family together for a Christmas photo. Wait, I can't you imagine. Said, you said smile at the right time. Try cry at the right time. Well, there and yeah, there's that. I mean, like do all of that, all of that stuff. And that was my trick as a, as a kid was you had to produce real tears, not, you know, like go out there and have the, they would do the Visine. Um, so yeah, so it's, so it is about having a really involved parent which mine was, but then obviously that rolls in the opposite direction when it's you know, sure. overwhelming. And, it became yeah. it became every minute of your life. In fact, in your book, which I absolutely loved, and it's so compelling, you talk about how you were the last person to show up at your own fifth birthday party because, oh, yeah. as you put it, it turned out Kentucky Fried Chicken was more important. Well, there was a callback that day, and it was it, it is that it is kind of that working mentality where. Nothing is going to stop you from doing the job and doing what you're supposed to do. And there was a callback. You don't not go to a callback. You're going to get cast. But it, I was sort of like, isn't my birthday party right now? And we kind of walked up. And I do still remember that to this day. Although I have to say, you know, since writing the book, and now I have my own three kids, and you do have a lot more sympathy for how hard it is to be a parent once you've actually done it. Um, you know, my, my mom and I don't, I don't think I said this clearly in the book cause I was kind of leaving it up to the reader to decide, but she, you know, had needed help and didn't get it. 
And I think that one thing I've learned through my childhood and my adult life is that, you know, there are a lot of people, and my sister had, you know, mental health issues, that that's genetic, you have it, but you have to seek help and Mm -hmm. you have to accept that help. And, you know, when I became an adult um, and I, I said to her, we can have a fresh start and I can forget everything that's happened in the past, but you have got to get help because I can't let you mm-hmm. be around my in-laws and, and my future children. I hadn't had children yet unless you, you know, get help. And she didn't want to do that. You just referenced your older sister, Tiffany. Uh, it almost feels like darkness started to descend after an ice skating lesson that you both had one day. Well, <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, it's, it's, it's hard to say where it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure, you know, when you have two kids and you're driving them to be perfect and you kind of have that split personality where one rebels against it and kind of really leans into the non-compliant behavior because they feel like they can't possibly live up. And then the other one, you know, kind of made me a very neurotic type A person to kind of always try to do the right thing and compensate um, and so it, it just, we kind of took very different paths. Um, and in the end, you know, my sister was very much rocked by depression, um, and, and a lot of different things and eventually passed away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, your sister died and leaving you with so many questions, yeah. but you know, as we back up a little bit, um, it was almost kind of crazy manic. It was yelling at you after an ice skating lesson, screaming and yelling, or a hundred presents at Christmas. Yeah. Where yeah. was where was your dad in all of this? Um, you know, he worked a lot and he had his own business. And I think he also you know, I think there was some part of him that thought that's how women behave. You know, that it was just sort of this is a mom fighting with her daughters and a battle for control and my sister's becoming a teenager and I think he didn't understand the dynamic and didn't know how to get involved. Um, And in the end, he put his entire life on hold and tried to save my sister once she had gone down a path of addiction and alcoholism and, um, you know, really, and and to this day is still so brokenhearted when she passed away. But I think it, it took a long time for him to realize he really did believe this is how women behave, you know, and, he, and he's 80 plus years now, and that was a different generation. But your mom was almost obsessed with you and your career. You know, you write in the book, the day I won the part on Little House on the Prairie may have been the highlight of mom's life. Yeah, You didn't for sure. say your life. Yeah. No, I mean, I was very happy. I obviously, I, I, I mean, one thing, when I see child actors say how much they hated doing it, I... It's hard for me to believe because it's very hard to get a child to do something they hate doing. I really enjoyed it. I liked performing. I liked the attention. I liked working. I liked making money. I liked acting. You know, I liked all of it. Um, But for, for her, obviously, she was living vicariously through me. And obviously, you know, this was... um you know, her dream. I didn't decide six months old that I wanted to be on television. I did love doing it. It was very painful when I was getting into the high school years and I was becoming a teenager where you feel awkward about everything. You know, everything you do, you're kind of, oh, stop looking at me, you know, and you and you get into that phase. 
And I then felt ridiculous acting, felt ridiculous on auditions and didn't want to say someone else's words. And the more I didn't want to do it, the worse I was at it. And I started getting fewer and fewer parts. And to have sort of a midlife career crisis when you're also a teenager, you know, at like 15 or 16, to have that come together was incredibly difficult. Um, But... I did say I, I did make a conscious decision that I needed to get away and I needed to re, remake my life and find something right. different, which for a 15 or 16 year old, you know, is is um, it made me stronger for the rest of my life. But I don't know. It's it's pretty young to be having yeah. that kind of crisis. Well, I can hear the listeners saying, who was she on Little House oh, on the Prairie? Cassandra. You, you were Cassandra. <laughs> yes. The adopted daughter of Ma and Pa. Yes. Michael Landon, of course. Love him. But I love that whole series of books, Little fun. House on the yeah. Prairie. Oh, Almanzo. I had a crush on the brother. <laughs> so does your friendship, when you reach back, because yes. you co-starred with Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. You had a great relationship with yeah. him, right? But. Didn't your mom get so involved? She kept warning you. He's trying to upstage you. And did you sense anything at that point? Like there's, there's a problem here. Definitely. Although I would say that all the stage parents kind of had that in common. And I don't think she was wrong about the coaching he was getting from his own dad. You know, I mean, there was, it's a really, I mean, I think now America knows that, that, I mean, through all the shows you see dance moms, all those kind of things. Oh yes. Those are, that is who, those parents are. Abby Lee because, Miller has actually been a guest ooh, on our show. She, there you of go. course, of Dance Moms, but I've seen that where the parents are edging each other out. Because they're dedicating their whole lives to living vicariously through these kids. I mean, think about it. We wouldn't have time to do it. I'm not selfless enough to devote my whole life to promoting one of my children. You know, I mean, that just is, it's just not something that I have time in the day to do. So they are really putting everything into those kids. And, you know, I think everybody who was successful had a stage mom. You couldn't be successful if you didn't. You know, one of the pivotal moments in your book, and I I keep bringing this up because to look at you today, oh, I'm just so impressed by you. You know, for those of you who don't know, she's basically the blonde version a uh, blonde Catholic version of this redheaded <laughs> Jew. We're both California girls, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. We both worked at CNBC together. Now yeah. we're at Fox Business together. Yeah. Uh, we're both family women all the way. Yeah. Uh, we absolutely just love our careers, love yeah. our families. But, um, you know, I can't believe the different background that you came from. In that, the the pivotal point that I feel in your book was when your mom kicked you out of the car, driving you home. Yeah. And I think our viewers need to know how old you were when that happened. I think I I wrote the book a while ago. I think I was eight, right? But something like that. And I had seen it happen to my sister a bunch. Um, And I'm not the only person this happened to, but it was sort of the, okay, get out. I'm done. I can't take it. Um, But I had seen it happen to my sister a bunch of times. And so I had always known that I wasn't going to just kind of like walk along the side of the road, sort of pathetic. I went up into the golf course and I hid and I was just, you know, I saw her come back around and I felt very satisfied. And then I thought, oh my gosh, how do I get out of this? You know, what happens next? But it was always a, it was always a game of control, you know, Mm -hmm. to control, you've got to control in order to, um, you know, dominate and then to, to make sure I was going to do everything she wanted. And, um, you know, it, it, I, 
at the at the end that can never end well. Right. I I don't know how you don't see that when you're in it that it can never end well. But you found your voice. I mean, it's amazing. People would die to get into Stanford University. You apply, you get in, but you also got into Harvard. Yes, I was the only one who ever went to Harvard against their parents' will wishes. <laughs> I guess, I, in defiance, I left and went to Harvard. I wanted to go across the country to somewhere where I couldn't go and audition because it was the only thing I'd ever known in my life. I'd been an actress since I was six months old. I'd never not done it. And I didn't know if I could exist without it, but I knew I wanted to try so I thought that if I went all the way across the country to some place where I couldn't come home and audition, because I'd gone to Sanford Summer School and I left a couple of times to go on auditions, and I was like, you know, I need like really cold turkey. Get away. And then I have to see if this is, you know, if this is right for me. And I got away and and I knew that I did. It's ironic that I'm still on television. And I would say that obviously there's some part of me, you know, that that wants to, but there's also that that's what feels natural. So I'm doing something different that's, um, you know, that is still on television. But what bothered me about acting was that I was never saying my own words and it never had to do with my own brain. That's why I hated it. I felt like a marionette. I was somebody else's puppet and I was doing what they were saying, what they wanted, what they wanted to express. And what I found in journalism, it was my own brain, my own voice. Yeah. And so while it had the performance in common what what the acting was lacking. I mean, obviously, in the best circumstances, when you're an actress, you're writing and you're producing and you're directing and it's all you. That's like five people. Everyone else is doing, you know, a, a McDonald's ad. Yeah. And if you're lucky, I mean, that's really good money. The rest of the time you're you're doing, you know, you're going on auditions, you're never getting anything. So I think for me, um, this had the comfort of something that I had done before, but it had the thing I wanted, which was my own thought. Well, you and I both hit the local news circuit. Yep. I, I was in Columbus, Ohio. You were in? Oh, Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, um, New Jersey, uh, and then I went to Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. Then I went out to California. Then I was on CNBC. Right. So that circuit. You yeah. were CNET, was it? CNET. Yeah, CNET. CNET and, and you used to do hits for us. And yes. then yes. CNBC hires you. You yeah. come out to the East Coast and yeah. we're there together. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, we both ended up as anchors. Then I left, came to Fox Business. You eventually joined. Yeah. What do you love about your life today? Wow. So much. Um I love that as a working mom, my little area is really close together. Um, I live about 15 minutes from work. My kids are the subway in the basement of our building goes directly to their schools. Um, I love that I have the ability. What people don't know about Fox is that they do really accommodate yeah. families and working moms. And they know that you're going to be your best when you're on the air. And when you're not, um, it's you're not shamed that you need to go do something. Um, so for me, it's the perfect work life balance and it's taken a long time to get there. But today, for example, I went to the sing along at my daughter, Gemma's four years old. I went to her school. They had the Christmas sing along. They did a little play. Um, I saw that and I was still able to get here by 1030 to pre-tape a show and do another. I can often come and go in between shows and, and do the things with my kids. I'm the one that's, I'm mystery reader. I get to do all that kind of stuff. I go home and see them after work. Um, and it just, the best thing about my life now, I would say, is that it's, I'm able to have a balance. Well, I know there are people listening saying, that's great. You guys are on television, and yes, everyone accommodates. We work in factories right, where we right, have to punch right, the clock. Right. I, you know, I remind I get people, 
you know, I was at the the third rated Columbus, Ohio station freezing my took us off. You know, I mean, mm. it was I think our, we were so small and dinky. It was uh, our motto was, um, you know, Channel Six News, number three in digging tunnels. Yes. And I mean, <laughs> then I went to Cleveland. Then I went to Boston. Yeah. The climb, the climb is what people don't see. They yes, see the blow dried, yeah. pretty perfection. And yay, I yeah. live in Manhattan and I have this family. It's the climb that we really focus on here at Everyone Talks to Liz because everyone has a cross to bear, do they not? Oh, yeah. No, it's the climb and it's, um, you know, and, and not us, but, you know, a lot of people get divorced along the way. You know, right. they don't make it through the climb and the whole thing. So it's it's a climb and it's a struggle. There's I mean, still just, time. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, don't We're young, that. Melissa. Uh, yeah, right? In fact, I'm supposed to go meet my husband soon. I think I got to go. <laughs> it's his holiday party tonight for his company. So I get to go be, you know, the, the supportive spouse. Well, you're my TV spouse. You're my TV wife. Yes. Um, and it's so great, honestly, when women support each other. Yes. And that is truly what I feel Melissa and I have had. But it's really important for you guys to know that her childhood was very complicated. And um, I'm sure you still miss your sister who died Absolutely. at what age? What yeah. Age? Yeah. She was a little over 30. She was 33. Beautiful. And, uh, beautiful girl. Yeah. It was, um, you know, but everything that you live through makes you stronger. My faith is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you live and learn, but it's, it has been a long road and that's part of, it's part of why, why I wrote my book because I wanted people to know that it is, it is hard and you're never, you're not the only one that's been through something. Everybody's been through, you look at somebody and you think they have it made and you don't know that they've actually really struggled and had a lot of pain and we're all human and we're all really flawed. But the choices that you personally have made have not always been easy. In fact, one of the final lines in your book is where you really thought about your relationship with your mom when she refused to get help or change. One of your final lines is, this horrible cycle that took my sister's life stops with me. It stops now. Do you speak to your mom anymore? No, 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 yeah. Not at all. I mean, and and again, it was all about, I can forgive anything, you know, I can forgive, but you have to get help. You have to stop mm-hmm. the cycle. And I see a lot of people, I've seen people in our business and really dysfunctional relationships with their parents still, or whether it's a partner or wherever it is, you know, at some point I realized that um, I was never going to have children unless I resolved that because I couldn't expose my husband and my children to insanity mm-hmm. you know and 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 i had to be responsible for not bringing that actual textbook insanity into their lives that i had to deal with my own business and I, again i mean if she had been willing to get help the door would have been open but that was never happening yeah tough choices but yeah. you're living your life on your terms and it's great to have you on Everyone Talks Thank to Liz. Thank you. Thank everyone does talk to Liz. That's true. You need <laughs> Connell next. <laughs> All right, Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you. My dear friend, Melissa Francis. And uh, thank you all so very much for joining us here on yet another incredible story of a climb to great success that had a lot of rocky and painful moments. Thank you so much for listening. And and you better listen Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Business Network because it's the one, the only claim and countdown. And Melissa's right after on After the Bell. (laughs) Yep, you got it. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much. 